0: All right. Awesome. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Uh, We're going to be in Matthew 18 tonight. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. That'll be what we eventually get around to reading uh, whenever we get there. So I'm just telling you to mark that now and hold me accountable to before we're done, I at least read one verse out of Matthew 18, 1 through 4. So, um... We're starting a series that we're going to be in for the rest of this month, and uh, I know that it's uh, kind of a, a title that'll make you think. And uh, when myself and uh, our midweek planning team sat down and we started talking through titles and content and what what's God saying coming out of Jubilee and out of our uh, month of July and our serving series, what's 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 next? What does God have to say for Durant Wednesday night crowd? Because Everybody knows this is where the, the best of us come is Wednesday nights, right? Absolutely. Very good. Very good. That's, a, that's okay to say. There's some healthy peer pressure we can have at church. So like everybody that's here on Sundays that's not here on Wednesdays, I want you to start kind of, you know, in Christian love, but let's do a little bit of healthy manipulation and be like, hey, you know that like you're going to heaven too, but I'm going to be ahead of you in the line because I come on Wednesday nights. So don't think too much about that. That's not actually a good thing. To think about. But we're going to talk over the next month about wonder arrest. And I have a question to ask you, and that is are you living under wonder arrest or are you living under wonder arrest? We're all living arrested by something. How many of you figured out that this adult life is not easy? You remember that you thought you had problems when you were a kid and then you grew up <laughs> and then you realized how many problems there really are. We all live arrested by something day in and day out. If your life is anything like mine, I'm sure there's similarities, I'm sure there's some differences, but if your life's anything like mine, it seems some days that I live arrested. And what I mean by arrested, I mean controlled by, heavily influenced by, dominated by tasks. Anybody feel like there's just not enough hours in the day To accomplish all the things that maybe come up in your job or in your family, all of us. Some of us live arrested by errands. Anybody feel like they're just constantly running errands and your list of errands just keeps growing? And before too long, you're so good at that other people are having you do their (laughs) errands. And and some of us on on the other end, we we live maybe maybe arrested, dominated, influenced, controlled by our pleasures our wants, our desires. Throughout the day, we look for opportunities that it's going to gratify ourselves. We purposefully avoid things that are going to make us uncomfortable, and we live our lives in this shallow box, in this narrow box, this small box of only giving ourselves to things that we're going to see instant gratification from, immediate feedback. We only are going to engage in serving somebody else and scratch their back if by the end of this, mind's going to get scratched too. And we live arrested by needing to please and meet our pleasures, our desires. Some of us live arrested, dominated, controlled by pain. You know, even in the natural, if you're somebody that struggled in your body with chronic pain, some of us have chronic pain in our body, some of us have chronic pain in our souls, in our minds, our wills. And our emotions. It's difficult to live life in chronic pain. Your plans are all determined around your pain scale. Whether I can go out and do this is based upon how bad I'm hurting. If I can engage in this relationship and devote time to this relationship it isn't based upon the need, it's based upon my pain. And when we live our lives dominated by pain, emotional pain, physical pain, whatever the pain is, might be relational strain, pain in our marriage, pain in our employee-employer relationship, pain with our parents, our friends, whatever it might be. When we live a life dominated by pain, we feel that the boundaries of our life get smaller and smaller. Can I tell you the truth that whether it's pain, whether it's pleasure, whether it's tasks or errands, if you live dominated and arrested by those kinds of things, your life starts to feel smaller and smaller. The walls start to feel like they're closing in on you. And there's this interesting thing, and there's this, this phrase that got dropped in our heart as a team as we were planning. And I was talking with them about what God was putting in my heart and where I kind of saw the direction going for this month. And somebody threw out, well, why don't we do a play on being under arrest with wonder arrest? And I believe that there's a specific word for us as a congregation that God wants us to gravitate, gravitate to. And it's and it's a word that comes in the form of a question. And the question is this, what are you living arrested by? What is causing you to behave the way that you behave? What's driving you to be in the relationships that you're in? What's driving you to want to strategize and do the things that you're doing in your job, what are you living arrested by? And I think it all really boils down to two things. We're either going to live as Christians. Raise your hand if you're a Christian. Most of the Wednesday night crowd is, so, all right? Christian, we're going to have a decision that we have to make. Because see, we lived in a time that the Scripture says before Christ that we were actually dominated by, I love this translation says, the elementary principles of this world. We were driven by our lusts and our fleshly desires. But there's something happens whenever we come into a relationship with Christ that we're actually given a capacity. We're given a grace. And God's grace is not just the thing that saves us, it's the thing that sustains us. God's grace is His ability in the midst of our inability. God's grace is His operating system in our lives. And when you make a decision to follow Christ, you actually receive a capacity, i.e., the Holy Spirit, okay, into your life, the charisma, the very grace of God, the Spirit of grace. And He enables you to live a life no longer dominated and arrested by things that cause you to wander aimlessly, hopelessly, But now you have been given the capacity to actually be arrested by the wonder of living a life in a love-based relationship with Jesus. I remember a few Jubilees ago, our good friend from Scotland, Pastor John Donnelly, on a Jubilee night, he asked this question and it went off in my heart this morning and I was praying and preparing like a bomb. And he asked this question to a group of our congregation at Jubilee. He said this, when was the last time that Jesus left you breathless? And that's sunk in. I know that a lot of times our pain leaves us breathless. I know a lot of our time, a lot of times the demands of our job and the pressures of our demands in our family, the pressures of the demands of this natural life leave us breathless. Can I get a witness on that? But as kingdom people called to walk a kingdom road of living captivated by the wonder of Jesus, I believe that Jesus is the thing that's supposed to leave us breathless. I believe that we have to live a life not with the wind being knocked out of us because of our pain, our problems, our insecurities, and our busyness, but I believe that we need to live a life filled with the wind of the Holy Spirit. Not losing breath and losing heart. And I found that losing breath and losing heart is very, very much a symptom and a factor in a life in which we feel that we are wandering. Hopeless people don't have direction. People that are filled with pain don't live proactively. They live reactively. We don't make plans for tomorrow until tomorrow gets here because I don't know what level my pain is going to be. Are you following me? We give up on planning and dreaming and living inspired in the wonder and the majesty of God, and we get into survival mode. When we barely have enough energy to brush our teeth at the end of the day, we don't do a lot of things in regards to vision planning. My life is about surviving. And listen to me, we all go through busy seasons of life. But I love what one of my mentors, our very own Pastor Lee, something he told me one time. He said, listen, there's seasons... When your ox is in the ditch and you've got to get the ox out of the ditch and get back on the road and traveling. But if your ox has been in a ditch for two years, you're not in a season, you're in a rut. And I know people that aren't living in a season of busyness. They're addicted to busyness. They're not living in a season of pain. They're controlled by their pain. They're not living in a a season of seeking, gratifying only themselves. Their belly is their God and they live only for what gratification they can receive in this life day in and day out. How many of you know living that way is a far cry from what the spilled blood of Jesus has enabled us all to be able to step into? But we've got to ask the question, are we living arrested by the wonder of Christ? Is Jesus leaving us breathless or is our pain leaving us breathless? Are our problems, are our tasks, our errands? So before we get into Matthew 18, I want us just to take a deep breath. Breathe in and breathe out. If you just did that, you're winning. I don't care what the demands on your day have been, I don't care what problems have come up in your family. I care in the sense of I sympathize. I want to pray. I want to stand with you. But I don't care in the sense of it's, it's, it's not... I, I don't believe that problems, pains, our own addictions to pleasures, our busyness is on the same level of power and authority as Jesus. So when I say I don't care, what I mean is compared to Christ and your ability... Because some of you over the course of this month, I believe, are going to recapture the wonder of what it means to worship Jesus. I believe some of you are going to receive a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit into you so that you can breathe again. I talked to you at the very beginning in that kind of prophetic word that I gave that some of your stories might feel like there's been a piece ripped out. And I referenced that the scripture of the Old Testament that God says He gives and He takes away. Listen, I'm a New Covenant Christian And I believe that God's a good God that gives. But I still believe that God takes things away. And you know what I believe he takes away? Pain. (laughs) You know what I believe he takes away? Unhealthy relationships. You know what I believe he takes away? The things that will to leave you breathless, on your back, laid out, knocked out, down for the count. God wills and he's still the God that's equipping you by the Holy Spirit To take out giants in this day and age. I don't care if the giant is a giant of pain. I don't care if the giant is a giant of your own self-seeking interest or your addiction to pleasure. I don't care if the giant is your own busyness and your unhealthy rhythms at work and, and things that are going on in your family. God's still in the business, check this out, of using children, more specifically Christians with the hearts of children to take down giants. And that's what we really have to move into if we're going to move out of a place of being arrested by everything except the wonder of Christ. And if we're going to move out of a place of just aimlessly wandering, if we're going to move out of a place of letting us ourselves be thrown off course, falling off this kingdom road because of our own pleasures, our own discomforts, our pains, our busyness, whatever it might be, we're going to have to enter back into that place of wonder and there's a suspicion a specific way that the Scripture talks about us coming back to that kingdom road, coming back to that place of walking our life with a clear focus of the face of Jesus, His goodness, His grace, His power in my life. And the way that the Bible referenced this this for us is in Matthew 18. It's one of the clear-cut places that I've, I've seen it. And there's some things going on in my heart that's very much connected to what Pastor Dwayne's bringing this month in regard to children as arrows. And I believe that we're going to learn about how to engage with our children, the natural and the spiritual, and how God's mind and heart sees all this. But the Lord's also breathed something into me that God wants us to discover our childlikeness in the presence of the Father. God wants us to discover that on the inside of every one of us. Here's the powerful thing for you to understand. Is that if you're 25, 35, 45, 65 years old, however old you are, you are not just the you at this current age. You are the you from zero and you came out of your mama all the way in till now. 35, 45, 65, every life experience, every difficulty that you've had to overcome, every relationship that you have, every experience in your X amount of years of life has formed you a particular way. The things in your life have shaped you a particular way. And what we have to come into a place of humility and an understanding is that in the Father's house, we're all children, I talk about the way that I'm able to minister to people and and, and to help people through things. And I give you a spiritual secret here. If you're really feeling called to minister one-on-one to people and to really counsel and help people through problems or even be led by the gifts of the Holy Spirit to step out and touch somebody else's life, let me tell you how you get past the intimidation factor. And this is something that I'm still working into my mind and into my heart and You know, people think I'm like John the Baptist walking around doing all this crazy stuff out in the wilderness of Walmart. Some days I do. Some days I don't. Some days I want to go in and get my eggs and milk and get out. Some day I'm done talking to people. Some days I tell God no. Some days I'm afraid. Some days I don't step into those divine appointments. Newsflash. It's okay. We're all growing. We're all developing. We're all on this road. But something that's helped me. And I feel like it's important for us to understand is that if you really want to start reaching into people's lives and blessing them with the things of God, one way that you cut down on the fear and the intimidation is you have to see them the way that God sees them. And I got news for you. God's a dad and he sees everybody as a kid. No matter how old you get, if your parents are still living, they still see you as their kid. Much to our chagrin for some of us, right? All right? We wish you could get beyond that. See me as a grown-up. Listen, I love my mom. I love my dad. And don't get me wrong. There's times when I do need money. So if God ever puts it on your heart to give me money, send it my way. I'm not saying that. But it's funny because it's like, and I've joked around with my mom about this before, it's like, mom, I'm actually making money and I'm I'm doing all right. But in my mom's eyes, I always still need money. Like there's no way you can afford to buy your lunch. I'm like, mom, if I can't buy my lunch, I'm in big trouble. You know, it's those kinds of things. Your parents always see you a particular way. Is this connecting? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Let me get, let me tell you this. The father always sees you a particular way. You can feel real tough. You can feel like, man, I've, I've really lived. I've really experienced. You can feel really knowledgeable. You can feel really strong in your own. And the little little says, you're so cute. Why don't you come over here and give me a hug? Let me tell you why most people don't mature in the kingdom. It's because they won't be honest if they need a hug. I don't need no hug, man. I've been walking this road. Let me tell you a clear sign of somebody that's under wander arrest, not wonder arrest, is when you hear Christians say things like, I'm self-made. I got to this place where I am without my parents. I didn't need my parents to tell me that they were proud of me. I got there without the support. I worked for it. I didn't have no cushy job like some of these younger millennial people do. I don't have this cushy job. And I worked hard. It was by the sweat of my brow and the bend of my back. And listen, I believe in strong work ethic. I believe that we've got a right to eat if we work. But this is what I know. If you've developed a mentality that you somehow got there apart from the grace of God, you need a hug. If you really think that your willpower got you to where you are. And if you really think that the blessings in your life are the sum total of the sweat of your brow and the bend of your back, I suggest that you get back into a place of being arrested by the wonder of Jesus because newsflash, heart rod, like this, he could take your breath out of you. If you wanted to. God's not in the business of killing people. Unless you deserve it, let that go. I'm just kidding. Just kidding, just kidding. That's a joke. I'm just messing with you. But a lot of times I talk to people And it's a clear sign that they're under wander arrest. They're wandering through life aimlessly. And they're confused. They're deceived. They think that they in their own work ethic and their own ability have accumulated all of this stuff. And they've lost the childlike dependency on God that they're supposed to have. They've moved into this place of, let me tell you this. Do you know that God will let you be your provider if you want to be? I talk to guys, and I'm not at the men's conference yet, Doug, but I'm warming up for the men's conference. I talk to guys, you know, tough guys. Well, I'm the provider of my home. I'm the sole provider of my home. Man, you're really not making room for the blessing of God. I'm I'm the sole provider of my home. Is your name Jehovah Jireh? I believe his men were supposed to be the chief steward of our home. But I figured out that I really want to receive my provision from God. God talked to me one time. I kind of had a chip on my shoulder about some things. I got blessed with some nice stuff, and it blessed me and my wife. It was just her her and I at the time. And I remember reflecting to God one day, and I said, God, one day I want to be able to give something this nice to my wife, and I want my name to be on the check. And I thought, man, that's just a really awesome thing to believe for and trust God for. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Even if your name's on the check, it came from me. And then he asked me a question. He asked me a very simple question. Do you want to provide for your family or do you want me to? And I said, well, I probably should let you do it. I have a responsibility in my home as the head of my home. I have a responsibility to be the chief steward of the blessings of God and to, and to work in a team manner with my wife to set things in place so that we're healthy and that we're functional. But let me tell you, you're no longer living arrested by the wonder that comes from the one who gives blessing whenever you move into this place of assuming that it's all up to you. You're going to be wandering like the Israelites in a desert for a really long time. We've got to come into a place of childlike Dependency. We've got to come into a place of childlike wonder, humility, and worship if we want to see our relationship with God go to the next level. Because the starting place of your kingdom road, the starting place of your road in the kingdom of God is childlikeness. Jesus tells us this in Matthew 18. Matthew 18 verses 1 through 4 says this, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Listen, when we get addicted in the wandering and we get addicted under this wander rest, we can sometimes get caught up in things like success. And I alluded to some of these things. We provide, we make the money, we get the promotion. Our name's on the check, all these kinds of things. Because on the inside of all of us, we have a drive and a desire to be great. Why is that? Because the greatest thing in the entire universe sculpted you with his hands. There's no way for the residue of greatness to not be on your life if you believe you were made by the great God. People have a problem with this. Like, I'm not supposed to have a desire to be great. You're absolutely supposed to have a desire to be great. You're just not supposed to let that move you into a place of now wandering around In your own deceitfulness, your own lust-based things, you're supposed to surrender that need to be great to God and have Him breathe in purity now the road to that greatness. How many of you believe that God wants you to be blessed? He just doesn't want you to get to a place where you start worshiping the blessing instead of the one that gives the blessing. That's why He's got to humble you. That's why He's got to bring you into a place to ask you a question like He asked me. Do you want to provide for your family or do you want me to? You want to be the father or do you want to live under me as the father? What do you want? And that those moments in God recalibrate us. Those moments in God are the way that a father instructs a child. And I don't know if you had parents like I did, but I can tell you this. Anytime my parents talked to me and brought correction, I felt the correction and I felt the reorientation on the right path that I was supposed to be walking, let me tell you, some of you got some bad attitudes. You got some bad habits. You got some things that have been ingrained into you because of all of your life experiences that God wants to deal with you on. Because He loves you. Because if He doesn't deal with you on these things, you're going to end up wandering instead of being in a blessed place of union with God and basking in the wonder of who He is. That place of worship, that place of surrender, that place of childlike humility is where the blessings of God freely flow. It's where the provision of God freely flows. It's where the exchange of the Holy Spirit happens. It's where the promised land is. I'm tired of seeing people living under new covenants still wandering around in the desert. we got to get into the kingdom, but then now we're called to explore the kingdom. We're called now to go deep into the wild wonder of who God is, and let him work on my heart, let him work on my mind, let him reveal to me where I've settled for less than His best. You think, like, in this responsibility-type thing, that it'd be a good thing for me to assume the role of sole provider of my house, not in the kingdom. Jesus says it's the poor in spirit that get the kingdom. You've got to admit that you have a need that only God can fill. You've got to admit that if he doesn't come through in every area of your life, the most dangerous place to be as a Christian is live a life that you can live independent of him. How do I do that? I come back into a place of wonder. I come back to a place of seeing Him as the source of all my blessings. I come back into a place of seeing Him as the very reason I'm able to take a breath. We know God has a lot of names, and one of the names of God is Yahweh. Raise your hand if you've heard that name before. Well, to the Jews of the Old Testament, the name Yahweh was so precious, so holy, that they weren't allowed to even speak it. That the high priest was the only one that could say it and not even above a whisper. And it was only whenever he went into the innermost part of the temple to make sacrifice on behalf of the nation. And when the scribes started translating the Bible, when they started translating this, they started replacing the word for Yahweh with a Hebrew word, Adonai, which means Lord. And they took it a step further, and that's where the YHWH came from. It came to symbolize that when you get to this word, there needs to be holy wonder. There needs to be a mystery. There needs to be something that causes you to worship, not causes you to try to control it and pronounce it. They say that that YHWH that they've inserted vowels into so that we can say Yahweh, that the, the, the uh, Orthodox Jews will tell you, and even the rabbis of today, that the only way that you can really pronounce the true way of God is by breathing. That the name Yahweh and that Y-H-W-H, the name that can't even be uttered, that the only way you can truly utter it is it's akin to the noise that you make when you breathe in and you breathe out. That should cause you to come into a place of holy wonder. That even my very breath is not possible without God. And even people that curse the name of Jesus release his name every time they breathe. (laughs) Listen to me. That gets you back on the road of the kingdom. That gets you back on understanding that this life is bigger than you. It's bigger than your tasks. It's bigger than your pains because you serve a God that's bigger than all of that. We have to move into a place of start maximizing our wonder of God and stop aimlessly wandering Through these tasks and errands and pains and pleasures of this physical, mortal, temporary life. And the way we do it is coming back to a place of childlikeness. Coming back to a place that we believe that God is more powerful than our problem. Of eager expecting, expectancy of God, I don't know how you're going to show up, but I can't wait until you do. God, I don't know what this blessing is going to look like, but you've been preparing me for such a long time. It's got to be huge. It's got to be big. It's getting back to believing and knowing that we serve a God that through his breath formed the entire cosmos. Because here's the thing, church. If you lose your wonder, you'll lose your worship. And there's a lot of people that are no longer engaging in a lifestyle of worship with God and they settle for false gods, the gods of pleasure, of busyness, of success, of popularity because they've lost the wonder of the awe of serving Yahweh. That's not us. Amen? We've got to come back to a place of wonder. Matthew 18, verse 1, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, the disciples ask him, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus, we know there's greatness on us. Being around you causes us to believe that there's something great, there's something beyond this natural life. There's a kingdom road, there's a place of wonder, there's something that you call us to. When you're around Jesus, you should feel greatness. And I got news for you, you should surround yourself with people that make you feel great. He said, who's the greatest in the kingdom?" Jesus said this in verse 2, and calling it to him a child. If you go back and you look at it in the Greek, it translates to what we would call a toddler. And he put the toddler, he put the child in the midst of them, and he said this. Listen, let the wonder of who God is arrest you when I read this to you. Can you do that? Can you be interactive with me? Can you let yourself really be in that moment? Can you see yourself with the disciples? hanging on Jesus' every word. Man, when you're living a life of wonder-based relationship with Jesus, you hang on every word. You don't disregard anything that he says. You crave to hear the voice of the one who was and is and is to come. You crave it more than you do your daily bread, more than physical food. Man, what a place to be in relationship with God. If you want to be there, say amen. amen. And he said this, truly, I say to you, man, I love it. You know, Jesus can never lie. He he just always tells the truth. Not because he has to try, but because it's who he is. Truly, I say to you, unless you turn, unless you turn from your wandering, unless you turn from your distractions, unless you turn from your pride, unless you turn from the cozy, comfortable life that you yourself and you have created, unless you turn, and listen, And become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. When God spoke to me, walking down this kingdom road that I've been walking now, seriously and honestly, for the past eight years of my life. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit eight years ago, and I marked that as the day that I really started living for Jesus really walking down a kingdom road. believed I was going to heaven, but I believed that I wasn't causing any heaven to come to earth, I could tell you that. But walking this kingdom road, you know that the kingdom road is marked by a lot of correction if you're walking it the right way. The kingdom road will give you plenty of opportunities to become humble. The, the road that's wide that leads to destruction shrugs accountability and pushes away from correction. Why? Why? Because there's a difference, notice, that Jesus said to enter into the kingdom, you have to become like a child. He didn't say you become childish. There's a difference between being childlike and childish. And over the next couple of weeks, I'll get into that with you and break it down for you in some of Paul's writings. How he draws a comparison between what it means to be childish and immature and childlike. Let me tell you this, being childlike is the catalyst for maturity in the Christian walk. Not being childish, but being childlike is the catalyst for maturity in the Christian walk. Jesus said that being able to enter into the kingdom is contingent upon it. We need to be in a state of wonder there. We need to pay attention to what he's saying. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I love what the Passion Translation says here in verse 3. Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, "Learn this well, unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in." I love what a man of God that I look up to by the name of Randy Clark says. He says this, there's a lot of people that have repented And by repented, the Greek meaning is to change the way you think. He said there's enough people that have repented to get into the kingdom, but they haven't repented enough to see the kingdom. There's a kingdom road that God calls you to walk. And it's a road filled with the very wonder of Christ. It's not enough for you to just cross the starting line. I believe that if you come here, that the Lord's saying there's further still. There's deeper still. But the only way we get there is by humbling ourselves. The only way we get there are by those father-child moments where we allow the Lord to speak some correction into our lives. Let me tell you this. Immature people can only see correction as condemnation. That's why they avoid it. Because immature people are still operating with a carnal mind. Carnality, I've told you this before, is the thing that if you're not careful, we'll kill you and we'll kill the church. Kingdom-minded people are able to receive correction from the Lord and using it and use it as a fresh breath of air to launch them further down the kingdom road. Immature people avoid the correction of the Father. They avoid the heart-to-heart conversations of the Holy Spirit. Because they're more convinced and they're more arrested by living a life of wandering around seeking which pleasure is going to be next. Which task at my work is going to feed my ego and my identity so that I feel good about myself. Are you following me? I need to be able to perform to feel good about myself. I need my title to feel good about myself because what I've done is is when I stop engaging with the one who has the title of King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I think I need a title to be fulfilled. And I live a life wandering from title to title, from position to position, from good job to good job, from pat on the back to pat on the back. And I don't live from a place of approval in hearing my father say that I am his child whom he loves and he's well pleased. See, here's the thing about it. If you're going to walk the kingdom road and live a life captivated by wonder, then you've got to live a life that you care more about the smile of your father than the approval of men. The road of wandering, the road of hopelessness, the the road of low self-worth, the road of addiction, the road of all these things, the road that's wide, that leads to destruction, is filled with people that care more about the approval of others than the smile of their father. People that walk the narrow road, that go by the straight gate, it's not by their willpower that they're walking It's actually because they've gotten so caught up in a place of the wonder of who Christ is. that There's like this gravitational pull that comes from the very heart of God. And the love of God compels them and actually pulls them down this road. See, the wide road is so dangerous because you walk it alone. The narrow road is so worth it. The narrow road of staying connected to the wonder of Christ because you never walk that road alone. The power of God, the Holy Spirit in your life enables you by grace to walk this road. Over the course of these next few weeks, I believe there's people that need to get off a trail of wandering around in all the things of life that easily try to entrap and ensnare us and come back to a place of simplicity. Come back to a place in which Jesus is central. Come back into a place if it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Come back to a place where minute by minute, day by day, I'm allowing Jesus to leave me breathless. Coming back into a place of wide-eyed, childlike wonder. Let me tell you this. When we lose our wonder, we're doomed to forever wander. When we lose our wonder, when we lose the truth of who God is and who we are, and we stop living as children dependent on our Father, we stop allowing the Lord to hug us in that area of our life that we need the Father's embrace, I tell you again, for some of you, you just need God to hug you and not fight it. And you need to hug back. Some people, God goes to hug, and it's like hugging a tree stump. Because let me tell you this. At the end of the day, in my two minutes of closing here, at the end of the day, we're really living arrested by three things. And next week, I'm going to start making a case out of this, out of the book of Galatians. There's three things that we're really living arrested by that's really controlling us. When you really get down to brass tacks... And you say, what is my life being controlled by? What is my life being controlled by that's resulting in the path that I'm traveling on? There's three things. One is religion. Two is carnality. And three is the Holy Spirit. We need to go with option three. See, here's the thing about religion and being trapped into this lie of religion, which is really performance-based thinking. And that I have to do enough for God to get him to like me. You know, God's God's attitude toward me is contingent upon my behaviors, not his character. All those different kinds of things. Here's, Here's the truth about it. Is that when we live a life arrested by religion, and we live a life led by a spirit of religion, not the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens in our life is that we actually engage in our world through this mindset that religion produces and the mindset that religion produces is one in which it's masqueraded it's a, it's it, it's a masquerade in this religious mentality it's a masquerade of, of freedom that's really bondage it's this it's this masquerading of of self will and doing things out of my own strength being self-made self-empowered keeping these sets of rules And what it does is, is it's this masquerade that by doing this, I'll somehow be holy. And we stop looking to Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We stop allowing ourselves to bask in the wonder that through the sacrifice of Jesus, I've been made righteous and perfectly holy. Carnality is the same way. Carnality is this masquerade that you're going to be free, that you're going to follow your lusts and your desires. It's the perversion of grace. It's, it's not no longer worshiping the God of grace, but worshiping a God that we call a God of grace that we've made in our own image. And in carnality, we say that we're so free in Christ that our sin really doesn't matter. And that being caught up and locked up in all these cycles of addictions and abuses, it's just part of being free. And the end result is always bondage. But there is a place of living arrested by the Holy Spirit that isn't bondage, that isn't a masquerade. Actually, it's righteousness, peace, and joy. It's what we call the kingdom of God. And we're going to have to make a decision if we're going to allow the path of our life to be determined by masquerades, by deceptions, by vain imaginations, by things that were drilled into us by our childhood, or whether we're going to humble ourselves and return like little children to Jesus and say, you be God. You instruct me. You teach me. Renew in me a humble spirit. Renew in me a teachability. I choose to give myself in surrendered worship to the majesty of who you really are. I don't want to wander in this life. I want to be led in a place of holy wonder in who you really are. So there's a decision to be made tonight. There's a decision that comes to all of us. It's a place that we have to begin if we're going to move forward over the next couple of weeks. And it's a decision of being willing to come into a place of the wide-eyed wonder of a child and to say, I believe that I have more to learn from the Lord. I believe that whether I'm aware of it or not, there's things in my life right now that are holding me back from fully stepping into the kingdom road that God has for me. Let me tell you the most dangerous place in life to be when you think everybody else is your problem. And when you hear messages like this and you say, man, I wish so-and-so was here. Newsflash, when you're in a place of wonder and worshiping God, you know that God knows everything and He knew you were going to be here. And He knew you needed this message. It's a dangerous place to get into this thing internally where we start judging how well we're doing By what we're not struggling with anymore. Instead of who we're reaching out to serve. It's a dangerous place in our life. Where we're led in this wandering arrest. In comparison. In things that steal our joy. I believe that there's specific things in our life. That God wills for you to become more childlike in. I believe that some of you have lost a hope and faith for the miraculous. I believe there's people that sit in here service after service that believe that God will do it for somebody else but not for me. Because I've tried that already, Pastor. I believed. I prayed the prayer. I still have the pain. I still have the addiction. I still have whatever it might be. There's people that sit in church every Sunday and every Wednesday and don't have an ounce of faith left to believe God for the impossible. They're wandering They're not caught up in a state of wonder-based worship anymore. They're not anticipating God to move anymore. Life has become this humdrum, mundane, rhythmic cycle. And I'm lost in my busyness. I'm lost in my own pleasures. I'm lost in just avoiding conflict all the time. I'm lost in being self-serving. Let me tell you this, all right? I love what A.W. Tozer says, I'm a, he said this, not me, so you can get upset with him. And he's dead now, so he doesn't mind. But here's the thing that you, you know, I love this quote by A.W. Tozer. And this is a hard truth. Can you receive a hard truth? Okay, 15 of you can. Praise God. Get ready. Everybody else, just cover your ears. I love what A.W. Tozer says in one of his books. He says this, There's more self-centeredness and self-seeking, self-based intentions in Bible conferences and church services than in bars and taverns. When I read that, dude, (laughs) if I'm saying dude, you know it really had an impact on me. (laughs) It hit me like a ton of bricks. I start asking the Lord, God, is there a place in my life where I've let go of this childlike wonder? See, there's a place in all of our lives that, there's a place in all of our lives that, you know, some of us are on grow teams, and, man, let's just give it up for all of our grow teams. Awesome. We're on grow teams, and, like, you know, we might greet at the door. Or we might be on ministry team and pray for people. There was a time in your life that just the thought of you getting to do something in the church produced a childlike wonder in you. Man, to be able to serve at that house that's poured so much into me to get, to get to be a part of what's going on at Victory Life Church. See, that's what happens in so many of our lives. Listen to me. In some of your marriages, you've lost the wonder. In some of your serving opportunities, you've lost the wonder. You're wandering. It's become business as usual. It's become the humdrum mundane. It's become just what I do instead of what I'm created to be are you quiet because it's true or are you quiet because you're ready to throw me off the cliff <laughs> Jesus only had two responses you know to the crowds only had two responses for Jesus they either loved him or they wanted to kill him so you guys are making me nervous this is this is my Wednesday night crowd I thought I was safe here I I wouldn't say. I I wouldn't say this at, no offense, but I wouldn't say this at the 11 o'clock service on Sunday. I'd say this to you. (laughs) 11 o'clock people, I love you. I got got to pick on somebody. I've just picked you. Listen, we've lost our wonder. You don't say things like, well, you know, there was a time that my wife or my husband really made my heart pitter-patter, but... It's okay. The relationship's becoming more mature because that's not there anymore. Are you sure about that? Or is it becoming unhealthy? People say, well, when I first started serving the Lord, now I'm going to start prophesying. See, this is the problem. I was going to let you out on time, too. You can blame the Holy Spirit for this. There was a time, you say, when I was really following the Lord, I had just so much passion and zeal. But I've become more mature now. And you've used maturity to excuse your lack of passion. That's not maturity. Maturity makes a choice to be passionate no matter what I'm feeling. It's not being led by feeling. But since I've quoted A.W. Tozer, I'll go ahead and do it again. He said, if you went to the doctor and you told him that you couldn't, that you haven't been able to feel your arm for a week, no doctor would say that's not a problem. He said, I know people that haven't felt God in 15 years and they think everything's fine. Let me tell you this Jesus hasn't changed. Jesus is still as beautiful in that first encounter you had as a 15 year old kid when you were on your back, boo hooing, had no idea how you got there, had no idea what was happening in your body, and you woke up and you wanted to tell all your friends about Jesus and you wanted to see all of your family the same. Jesus is the same, Jesus. You've changed, He hasn't changed. And his heart's crying out, Come back to the wonder. Come back and look at me. You forgot what I look like. You're more familiar with the face of your pain. You're more familiar with the face of your busyness. You're more familiar with the face of your problem. You forgot my face, church. You forgot my face. Come back and experience the wonder couple weeks ago, I was with kids. I love to see kids experience Jesus. Man, just when I'm feeling like I want to quit, I need to just go hang out with some kids. That's what I figured out. And good news is I've got like 30 of them that live with me, so it's awesome. <laughs> and I was, the, I was at the kids camp this year. Guys, listen to me. People are like, oh, church is going long. Let me tell you something. There's a missionary by the name of Dennis Balcom that went and he's a missionary to the underground church in China. And the first time he went over there, the pastor of the underground church told him this. He said, uh, we're going to have you preach these many nights in a row. And and, this is, and and we want you to go ahead and preach. He said, well, what would you like me to preach? He said, everything. But what do you mean everything? He said, just Genesis to Revelation. We just We need everything. He said he preached for six hours. Underground. People sweating because it's hot. And they wouldn't want them to stop. Said, next night, will you preach again? Six hours. Next night, will you preach again? People didn't have any Bibles. They were trusting the man of God to deliver. Let me tell you something. Those are people that are captured by the wonder of Jesus. Listen, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, but here's the thing. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Got people on Sunday mornings. They can't wait five minutes. To see people get saved. They got to run out the door because of the lunch line at Chili's or because the parking lot line's too long. Are you kidding me? Listen, I, I, here's the thing about it. I, I don't know. I, I know you may be like, didn't hit the lottery with me as the campus pastor, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. That's immaturity. How could you not want to be in on People coming to Jesus. And, and 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 excuse just listen to me for a second. I, I, I need to bring, I'm going to give you some fatherly advice here. I wouldn't want to be responsible for somebody being distracted and missing an opportunity with eternity because I had to get to Chili's. If somebody's eternity might be jeopardized by your lunch plans, you need to sit and not move. I don't want somebody to be influenced in a negative way by Christ because I've been working for X amount of years at the door and I've lost passion for it, so now I scowl at everybody that comes in because I'm in a bad mood. Recapture the wonder. Remember what it was like when you said, man, if I could just scrub a toilet in that church, I know the Holy Spirit would be moving. If, I, if, if Man, the thought that somebody would even ask me to open a door, the thought that somebody would just ask me to be on the prayer team, Listen to me, guys. you got to recapture the wonder. Salvations and people getting saved in service should not get old. And if you are saved, you shouldn't just say, well, I can check out from that because I've already experienced that. Where's the wonder? Where's the sticking around to see the miracle? If you're on the prayer team and you're no longer expecting God to heal bodies, you need to get off the prayer team. Are you listening to me? Where's the wonder? Now I'm really preaching and I'm going long. You can handle it. Where's the wonder of the God that's Yahweh, whose name's so holy, you can't even whisper it. You have to breathe it. That's the God whose spirit's moving as soon as we come in here. That God's worth being in the service, not waiting an hour for a cup of coffee. You can get coffee at Starbucks. This is about Jesus. Are you following me? Are you hearing me? Are these hard things to hear? Sure. You don't want to hear it? Cover your ears. Say, what makes me feel uh, uncomfortable? Well, praise God, you have the Holy Spirit. I feel like you're talking to me or maybe you saw me do something. Let me tell you something. I preach specifically without glasses so I can't see anybody. And I don't know at the altar call who's getting up and walking out and causing the ruckus. Because I leave my glasses off. So I don't let anything get in my heart towards you. I love everybody. As far as I know, it's everybody that's not here that does that. Listen, guys. Where's the wonder? Where's the wonder? Man. If you got convicted, just stand up so we can pray for you. Come on. Just stand up if you got convicted. If you don't stand, I'll start preaching again and find something to convict you about. many of you say man I'm, I'm ready to recapture some wonder in my life I'm ready to let God man mess with my priorities I'm ready with God to mess with my paradigms I'm ready to get back in a place to where God is exciting the kingdom is real I'm ready for wonder to come back into my marriage I'm ready for wonder to come back into my job whatever it might be I want to live arrested by wonder not hopelessly wandering and put your hand on your heart if that's you. Put my hand on my heart. Listen, I'm, I never want you to, for me to come across the, the wrong way. I don't talk from a place of arriving. I talk from a place of saying this is stuff that God's working with me on. What do you think I get the material? think I sit back and say, I wonder what these sorry people really need to hear. No, I talk to you about what God's been talking to me about. I talk to you about what God's been working in me. And, and, and I use my tip for myself in preaching is if it feeds me, it'll feed you. So I don't feed you something that I'm not feeding on. I don't talk about something that I'm not struggling with. I want to recapture the wonder in different areas of my life. I'll move back into the gravitational pull of Christ on the narrow path that leads to salvation. Not the wide path that leads to destruction. Father, you see every hand on every heart. You see the soul beneath that hand. You see the fabric of their beings, God. Holy Spirit, blow fresh breath into us. Make it about Jesus again. Not our performance. Not our titles. Everybody say this. Your kingdom come. Say it. Your kingdom come. And your will be done. In my life, life. as it is in heaven, heaven. Jesus, Jesus. arrest me me. with your wonder. wonder. Right now, whoever's standing next to you, take a few minutes and just lay hands on them. Ask them if it's okay. Put a hand on their shoulder. Just start speaking life over them. Just start speaking the truth of God over them. You're going to come back into a place of wonder. You're going to be mesmerized by God. You're going to have passion. You're going to have zeal. God's doing a new thing in your heart and in your life. Whatever been ripped out of your story was strategic by him. He's fitting it back together. It's going to be better than before. Just release life. Release the peace of God. Release the glory of God. Your best days are ahead of you. We call you out of a rut and we call you back to purpose. We call you out of childishness and immaturity and we call you back to being childlike and correctable and teachable and moldable. We call you into the Father's embrace tonight. Let down the pride. Let down the fear. Let down the discouragement. Let down the condemnation. Let down the suspicion. I break suspicion in Jesus' name. Receive the Father's embrace. Receive his love. Receive his life. Jesus, you're the beautiful one. Jesus, you're wonderful. You're full of wonder. Captivate us with your love. We surrender to you. Holy fire of God, burn in our hearts. Holy fire of God, burn in our lives. Let the light of the fire in the eyes of Christ be the flame burning in our heart. And released to the world, burning us like a fire, God. No longer as children tossed to and fro, but devoted to this thing. To come into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. To have Christ formed in us more and more by a spirit of promise. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just as a child, just surrender yourself. You see yourself as a child. Even as we sang, I'm surrounded by the arms of the Father. God, I'm I'm receiving my hug right now from you. I've been wandering. I've been wayward. I've been distracted. Only you can satisfy. Only you are the God of this temple. Of my body, of my mind, of my heart. Burn in me, Lord. Any cost, any price, anything I need to cut out of my life, anything that you want to take out of my life, take it, God. All that's left is you. We're desperate for you, Jesus. We need you more than the air that we breathe. You're wonderful, you're beautiful. Thank you, God. Amen. Just respond to his presence. Man. I love it when the when the air gets heavy. You know what I'm talking about? You can feel it, can't you? That's that's the weight of his glory. You feel it, don't you? That stillness. It's like right when it stops raining. you know that stillness? That's him. Just let the weight of his glory just, man. God, you can crush me with your glory if you want to, just let it just let it just crash in on us, God. As the train of your robe fill the temple, and the angels cried, "Holy, holy!" We know the train of your robe is filling this house. The weight of your glory crashing over us, God. Jesus. You thought I forgot I was at the camp a couple weeks ago. I did forget. The Holy Spirit just made me remember. He makes me look good. I'm not that good. I really did forget. I got to tell you this before we go. Why, why wouldn't you want why, why to stay in the place of presence a little longer? Listen, he's with you when you go too. But there's something about when a group of us come into an awareness. Man, savor that. I'm not saying he's only in the room. You got to be. Crazy to believe that, but I I was at the camp a couple weeks ago with the kids, six through eleven years old, man, and they had me come on a Thursday, two Thursdays in a row, and talk about the Holy Spirit. That's when God, Randy, that's when God started working about wonder in my heart. Because you should see the kids. I got up right after worship and and I made them stand like you're standing, And and I said to the worship band to keep playing. And I talked to them in this tone of voice. I yell at you, but I don't yell at the kids. Except my kids. I yell at my kids. But Anyway, I'm working on it, okay? But here's the thing. In in this tone of voice, I just started talking. And all I had to do was talk about the Holy Spirit. I didn't touch anybody. Didn't have anybody lay hands on anybody. I just started talking about how Jesus wants to give you the Holy Spirit how amazing it is and how wonderful it is, and all the little kids all around, without anybody even touching them, without any, any formal ministry happening, Jesus just started moving and they started responding because, see, kids just have that sense of wonder. When I say to the kids, Jesus wants to give you the Holy Spirit, you know what they say? Okay. Okay. When I say to the kids, Jesus wants to fill you with his fire and his love, you know what they say? Okay, that's wonder. As I was just talking about the Holy Spirit, both weeks, just talking about the Holy Spirit, kids would just start sobbing, crying. They'd just start, right there, kids would just be releasing their newfound prayer language to God. Kids just overcome by the glory of God, just on on the ground. All, All of them, not just some, all of them. You know why? Because... They came into a place, and while I was talking, they're all looking at me like this. Big. Matthew 18, lest you become like a little child and receive from me with wide-eyed, childlike wonder. Man, when's the the last time that Jesus left you breathless? Man, what if we made a decision that we're going to purpose in our heart, that we're going to gather over the next couple weeks, and every time we're here, we're going to expect an encounter with Jesus? not just to be blessed because the music was good, not to be blessed because the coffee was good, not to be blessed because the seat was soft, but to believe that with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, I'm gonna see Jesus. I'm gonna receive from Jesus. See, the kids just receive it so naturally. You know why? They just receive it so freely. You know why? because they're honest enough to admit that they need it. I started talking about how I know some of your homes are not good and you hear fighting, you hear terrible things going on and God wants to give you a power from His Holy Spirit that's bigger than the problems, bigger than the fighting, bigger than the discouragement and they just start crying out to God. Why? Because if it's true what this chubby preacher is telling me, that I can receive something from God that's bigger than my problem then I want to receive it. What happens whenever the adult church says, I believe that I can receive something bigger than my problem from God. I can tell you what happens. The Holy Spirit moves. Jesus. It's all about you. Nothing else is satisfied. Father, thank you for this precious people in the house tonight. We confess we're children. Longing to be lost in wonder. Longing to be lost in the goodness of your grace. We partner with you. that your will be done. Jesus, precious name. everybody said, Amen. Ministry team, I'm giving you the night off. If somebody didn't get blessed, there's a lot more wrong with them that can be fixed through them coming to you to prayer. All right, go ahead and go. See you soon.